scriptures are read, let's recite the Shema together. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our scripture passage for today is from the Gospel of Luke. We're following the lectionary again. And Luke's ninth chapter is all about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And every detail in the ninth chapter of Luke is about Jesus' identity before he turns his face to Jerusalem. So the scripture passage that you'll hear this morning is about who exactly is this rabbi? What is this rabbi about? I'm going to start with verse 22 in Luke chapter 9. Jesus went on, It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the religious leaders, high priests, and religion scholars, be killed, and on the third day be raised up alive. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is of no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? About eight days after saying this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were there talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah, and what a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was babbling on like this, a light radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud, this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless and they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, I have a picture from the news to show you. Did anybody else see this this week? Do you see that guy behind the reporter? That, that reporter is Ed O'Keefe. And so this happened, this news story happened on Capitol Hill outside of an important congressional hearing. The guy was eating pizza the whole time during, during the news story. My oldest daughter is an intern in Washington, D.C., and so when I saw this story, I called her and I asked her, do you know this guy? <laughs> and she looked at the news, she looked at the picture, and she said, no, I don't know him, but that guy, he's definitely an intern. And then she said, and that pizza box he's holding is from a pizza place that's new, and it is delicious. That pizza is to die for. And lastly, she said, Mom, I'm just so glad that wasn't me. <laughs> When I read the story of the transfiguration in Luke's gospel, I think James and John 
must have thought the same thing about Peter that Claire thought about that intern. I'm just glad that that's not me. Acting impulsively like that, blurting out, this is amazing, Jesus. Let's freeze this moment in time. Let's preserve this exact moment and declare a final victory. Let's have a pizza party for everyone. There is no doubt that this transfiguration story, this day or this night, is an important night for the disciples. They are getting some clarity here on Jesus' identity, who Jesus is, and what Jesus is about. Jesus tells the disciples, self-sacrifice is my way, and self-sacrifice is to be your way also And then eight days later, Jesus is praying, and his face and his clothes turn dazzling, this dazzling brightness. And two men are talking to him, and these aren't two strangers. These are two men that we recognize, Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law given to God, given by God to the Israelites on a different mountain, Mount Sinai. And Elijah is of Mount Carmel, a different mountain. Elijah was the fiercest of prophets. Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking about a new exodus. An exodus is going to mean a deliverance from slavery. This is a new freedom that's coming, a a freedom from slavery to sin and death. And Jesus will bring about this freedom, the story says, this deliverance in Jerusalem. Peter immediately interjects, yes, Jesus, I get it. You are who you say you are, the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets, and ours is the victory. It's party time. To which a voice from a cloud on this Mount of Transfiguration says, slow down there, buddy. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And I translate that particular verse, what did he just tell you? What did my son just tell you eight days ago? That this stuff has to be lived. It has to be experienced. There's a path to follow. There's a road to Jerusalem. And you will walk this road out, and this road is a road of self-sacrifice. The result is that the disciples are terrified Rightly so. They're speechless. A voice from a cloud is a familiar scene on holy mountains. In Exodus chapter 24, there's a cloud that envelops Moses on the mountain. And in 1 Kings, Elijah sees a cloud when he's on Mount Carmel. And this signals, this cloud signals God's presence and power to Elijah. And while it wasn't a mountain, but it was wilderness, a voice coming from heaven at Jesus' baptism said similarly, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That's in chapter 3 of Luke's gospel. So in both places in Luke, in Luke chapter 3 and in Luke chapter 9, in the baptism and the transfiguration are the words, This is my son. This is my son is heard both places. You know, sometimes when a sermon on the transfiguration is preached, it will go into a message about mountaintop experiences. 
And our setting is a mountain, and so it's not a bad thing to consider our spiritual highs, our spiritual high points. But much like Glennon Doyle said in the video earlier, I'm not Jesus, and you're not Jesus. And so you and I are not going to have a mountaintop experience that's like the transfiguration. That spiritual mountaintop is too high for you and I to climb. Our mountaintop experiences, our spiritual highs will reveal the glory of the truth of the Messiah, and they should just simply shut our mouths. What's different about the words from the cloud in Luke chapter 9 next to chapter 3 is that here in chapter 9, there are words of instructions. There are words of instruction for the disciples and for those of us who read the gospel. It's not simply a declaration of love in chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, but the instruction is listen to him. Listen to him. And listen really all by itself is good advice for disciples. In fact, it is the first piece of advice that my district superintendent gave me for today on how I should be present on Sunday during the services after the St. Louis meeting. He wrote to me, be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's better for people to leave a conversation with you knowing that you love them than that you proved your point. Good words of advice to listen Anyone who's been a part of the Kairos ministry team knows that the mantra that the team follows when they go into the prison to be with the inmates for a limited amount of time is simply listen, listen, love, love. Listen, listen, love, love. And I have to believe that listening is a very faithful stance to take. Thomas Merton tells a story about a desert father who lived in the fourth century. He undertook a 70-week fast. So this desert father decided that during those 70 weeks, he would only eat once a week in order to hear more clearly from God. And so he went into his cell by himself, and when he was just a little bit more than bone and vapor, he asked God to reveal to him the meaning of a particular passage in the Bible, but God wouldn't do it. So disappointed, the monk made the decision to go and ask a fellow monk what the Bible passage meant. The minute that he put his hand on the door, the minute that he walked out of his cell, an angel of God appeared to him and said, your 70-week fast did not bring you one step closer to God. But now that you have humbled yourself to go to your brother, God sent me to reveal to you the meaning of this scripture passage. Barbara Brown Taylor, who teaches world religions to undergraduates, wrote that the great wisdom traditions of the world all recognize that the main impediment, the thing that gets in our way to living a life of meaning is simply self-absorption. It's the not listening. To have a life of meaning, we need other people, and we need to take in what they have to offer us. Krista Tippett is a woman who's an interviewer. She's an excellent interviewer, and when she talks about listening, she says it's a virtue. 
It's a virtue that all faithful people should be pursuing. We are taught to act as advocates, she says, and to make our point. But listening is simply the act of being present, of honoring another person. It involves curiosity on our part, and we have to take an open stance and be open to learning something from the other person. So this voice from the cloud says, listen. This voice from the cloud says, listen to him. My son, the chosen Messiah. So I wondered this week, can I take this open stance with Jesus? Do I have it in me still to listen to him? Or have I already assigned him to some abstraction, you know, a stereotype, like a church lady or a Prius driver? Hey, I'm well aware of the incomplete labels that are mine. (laughs) And Jesus seems to immediately know the stereotypes or the abstraction that's being placed on him, that Peter puts on him. Glorious end-time Savior. Peter skips the road to Jerusalem. The people along the way, the Passover meal, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection. I watched a PBS documentary this week on Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was a theologian, and he was one of the main influencers of the civil rights movement. He was a teacher of Martin Luther King Jr. And when Martin Luther King Jr. died, Thurman was asked, to write and to speak his eulogy. Thurman wrote a book called Jesus and the Disinherited, and he said about Jesus, Jesus didn't want to be worshipped. Jesus wanted to be followed. To believe Jesus is simply to follow Jesus. When Thurman was sent in a delegation to India, he said to the people who gathered to hear him speak in India, I don't come bringing a religion about Jesus to you. I come bringing the religion of Jesus to you. I come bringing to you the way that Jesus lived. That is my way. The transfiguration tells me that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets. And Jesus is the priority. This gospel story about Jesus that we have from four different gospel writers is the priority The priority is this narrative, and this narrative can interpret anything that I bring to it. This narrative can help me more clearly interpret scripture. It can help me more clearly interpret my experience. It can help me more clearly interpret the advice of other people. Let's start with scripture. Proverbs 22.6 has been often quoted to me. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, let's hold that up to the priority of Jesus. And it tells me that this parenting thing is about a longer journey. It's about a longer journey where we learn together. It's not just about victories and medals and A pluses, but it's about mistakes and it's about failures. And we do it together and the blessing is in the travel time. Another one that is often quoted to me, in fact, I remember when my kids learned this in vacation Bible school, John 3.16. John so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Hold that up 
to the priority of the gospel story, the priority of the entire story of Jesus. And I get that abundant life is not the result of a single thought or a single idea that I have, but it's about my decision to be on the road. It's about following the rabbi. And what is it that I can learn when I listen to my days through the priority of the gospel? I think I learn hope. I learn community. I, I experience and embrace. You know, I have yet to come across a situation that is without the possibility of redemption. I have yet to come across a death that lies outside of the presence of God. I have yet to find a person that can't find some piece of restoration in this larger gospel story. So I challenge you, I challenge you, instead of interpreting the gospel, let the gospel interpret you. As we prepare to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion together, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We'll pray the prayer of great thanksgiving and the responses you'll see on the wall in front of you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God. You are creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You've delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join an unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus the Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, our Lord and Savior took bread, gave thanks to the Father, gave it to his disciples. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood. It's a new covenant. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. The Christ has died. The Christ has risen. The Christ will come again. 